Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. How to Die, written by Regal, Legal Eagle. I looked around my apartment once more and patted my pockets, even though I knew I already had everything. I could never break the habit. The little colorful Christmas lights that I had strung in the window provided a nice contrast to the otherwise dreary nature of my home. Of course, they went much just little strings of multicolored LEDs. I'd had a kid down the street make some for me in exchange for a real honest-to-God burger. Though, don't ask me what the meat was, because I have no idea. Tasty mostly like cow, though, I think, from what I remember the least. As the lights flickered a bit, I could hear the muffled rain outside, the streaks of water illuminated by a gold light from the light post outside. I needed to go. Even though I hadn't looked for hours, I checked the stove to make sure that it was off and then walked by my table on the way to the door, giving my cat a drive-by head rub as I passed. He meowed a little and tried to pretend like he was starving, despite the fact that I'd fed him a little while ago. I paused and scratched his chin for a moment before pulling away. Cindy, across the street, had a copy of my key, just in case. Before I stepped out of the prefab, I'd pulled the hood up on my jacket, stepped out into the light rain before turning around and locking the door behind me. On days like this, I couldn't help but wonder, was I going to be coming back? I could never say yes with certainty. All I could say was, maybe. If I was in a good mood, I'd say hopefully, but today... Today, all I could muster was a, I don't know... I began to walk towards the market then. In the rain, even the light and one of the people had their hoods up and the umbrellas out as they moved. What few people were out at this hour at least. No idle chatter, no casual stroll. They were heading somewhere. Some carried groceries, some carried parcels, most carried nothing. The rain provided a measure of quiet despite the decent flow of people walking through the area. No one was talking and our movement was muffled by the falling rain, though the lights still flickered around us. Christmas lights, shop signs, and ads such as there could be any. Even in these difficult times, we always seemed to make things as flashy as we could. Once I reached the edge of the market, I paused to take it in. There was a human sector mixed in with the other refugees out here. The signs were just as flashy, but now they were all in a manner of a language that I didn't understand, including the Japanese and Chinese ones. Some lucky human had set up restaurants and little shops around here to get what money they could from the more fortunate species in the Alliance, who deigned to venture the far out of the center and shop with us less fortunate souls. Most of us, however, scraped by by vast scrap fields up to the south or on one of the agri-barges out in the bay. Tough work either way. Sometimes I figured I had it easy with my job. Or easier, maybe. 
I couldn't see myself waking up at five every morning and working my rear off all day just to make enough to survive and little else. Maybe I was lazy, maybe I just didn't have the work ethic. Either way, I headed a little deeper into the market and stopped before a tea house of sorts. To contrast the soft gold lights outside and the dark cloud-filled skies and the fluorescent side was bright, almost painfully so to me. The chairs and tables of a dozen bright colors of different styles. People made do with what they could scrounge up after all. At this time of night, there weren't many people inside, much made things easier for me. I knew she'd be in here, one of the few species that had to be bad, if not worse than us, the Calafay. Our creation, one of our final gifts to the galaxy, and one of the final weapons in a futile war. I studied her like I had for a dozen nights now, rounded ears atop her head, short snout, grayish-blue fur with darker spots here and there, feline-shaped eyes and yellow iris, long tail wrapped around the base of the chair and around her legs, humanoid shape other than that. They might have evolved differently on their own over time, but since we had a hand in shaping them, of course, we made them into our own image. I wasn't normally a good idea to stare at a person of her profession like this out in the open. I'd have been careful about it in the past, but tonight, it didn't matter. I stood there before the open shop floor in the light rain and watched her. Her movements were careful and precise as she sipped on her tea. Her suit was immaculate, nicer than any I'd had, certainly. It wasn't black like I used to think, some sort of deep blue offset by a grey shirt underneath and a bright red tie. I couldn't figure the, the type first. Why wear a noose around your neck, especially in our minor work? But it seemed a part of her thing. She certainly had a sense of style. When she finally looked at me, I locked eyes with her and waited to see if there was any sort of reaction. When she casually tilted her head and then took another sip of her tea, I realized that maybe I hadn't been as careful as I thought. She knew me as I knew her. She then inclined her head gently to the seat across from her, and I stepped in out of the rain, squinting at a bit as I stepped into the bright light of the little tea house. As I approached, I could see her sword carefully leaning against the side of the table, but she pulled it onto her lap then, keeping it closer still. When I'd first heard she used a sword, I'd laughed and figured that she was likely just arrogant or overconfident then. But when I'd seen her work, I had changed my mind. I still thought there was a bit much, obviously, as she cared more about style than I did. I pulled the chair across from her out and sat down reaching up to tug my hood back and run my hand through my hair for a moment. We sat staring at each other across the little table for a full minute of silence before she finally spoke. Tea? she asked and motioned to the other teacup on the table, so she really had expected me. Could be good, could be bad. No thanks, never really acquired the taste for green tea. I replied, keeping my hands in my pockets. After a moment, I realized I was rude and pulled them out, setting them on the table. It was a gesture, and she saw that her other hand had came off a blade of her lap and made it clear that she understood. Neither one of us wanted to bust up a tea house. Neither of us had any reason to want to ruin someone's business. Got tired of being a voyeur? She asked, then I snorted softly as I looked her in the eyes. 
They weren't yellow like I'd thought. The irises were gold. They seemed to shimmer a little as she stared at me. I could see why someone might get lost in them. I knew I should focus, but I felt confident she wouldn't strike me just yet. I've let myself enjoy the moment a little longer before finally nodding. Deadline, I replied, and she nodded in a knowing fashion. So then why exactly have you waited so long? She asked, and I thought it over again. I'd sort of figured out what I would say earlier, but I still took time to consider my words. I'm unsure I want the contract, I finally explained. She narrowed her eyes for a moment, looking slightly confused as she tilted her head. Is it wise for someone in our line of work to be picky, or at least take a contract without knowing if they intend to fulfill it? It seems, uh, unprofessional. I smirked and chuckled at her words, which made her frown. I guess your agent is better than mine. I don't know what's th- what until they give me a contract. I don't get a chance to see my target at times until I'm upon them. The only reason I know what you look like is that they wanted me to be sure it was you. Gave me a picture and everything. Rare for me, I confessed. She nodded slowly then. That would explain your, uh, tactics. She pulled the word with such disdain that I couldn't help but laugh once more, which caused her to glare at me. You think it's amusing how you survive any contract seems a wonder to me, though the regularity with which you are supposed to do so startles me. I'm not inclined to understand people, but with you, it is almost like your reputation warrants me to overestimate. I shrugged. Seemed like she'd followed me a few times and I hadn't noticed. Better than I thought. Or maybe I was worse than I figured. Either way, it didn't matter. I'm good at improvising. It's a human thing. We're known for it. Why is it that all you think are so special in that regard? She asked, then eyes narrowing a little as she seemed curious. All my own professional traits I learned from one of your kind. A human. She was meticulous and precise. Good traits for anyone. Then, on improvisation side, you act like you're the only one who has managed it. I thought it over and scratched my chin idly as I did. I don't know, I suppose, because we do it more than most. Yes, we can be very meticulous and precise and careful, and all of that. But we're also prone to toss caution to the wind and just go for it. I suppose we're known more for what we're exceptional at, or uh, what makes us stand out compared to the others. I shrugged at the end of that and continued. I don't think I'm going to try and fulfill the contract. I confessed then, which made her frown. It's unprofessional, she chided. I don't really care. I opened my mouth to say more, to explain how this would be a job to me, how I didn't really enjoy the main aspect of it. How I used it to my advantage anyway, but then I just took a deep breath and shrugged. Doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right, she echoed then as she arched a brow. I keep balance around here, I said then, and the way I see it you do too. Neither one of us takes this personally, I assume. I ventured and she nodded. We're both professionals, even if you're more professional than me. I smirked as she glared a bit and then continued... So we both keep balance in a way. Someone gets too big, too strong, or too dangerous, and that means someone will want one of us to even the odds. Lord knows the cops won't. Not this far out. And humans don't really have their own organizations. Yet, they're too help with these odds. 
So, I figure if I get paid to kill aliens to keep the peace and I keep the human sector a bit safer, then so be it. Zetos, she corrected, and I shrugged. I knew the argument over the word choice. Not our planet, blah, 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 blah. She knew what I meant. It also doesn't make sense to me, I went on. Who orders a hit on a hitter? A professional, at least. It's not like anyone should have a grudge against you, right? You've never been a passionate one, have you? I trailed off as she frowned and then realized what I was getting at and she shook her head. No, no passion getting. Professional only, never anything personal. I thought about it for a moment. The person who trained you, she's not still around. No grudge against what you took her. I asked it and it turned into a smirk. The expression didn't quite fit on her face due to her snout, but they'd learned quite a bit of facial quirks from us and so it was stuck with it. Can't assassinate cancer. She informed me, and I nodded. Guess that makes sense. If anything, I'd figured it would go the other way. That someone might order a hit on me. I confessed, which made her a frown. Why? You're a professional as well. As she said that, I just smiled and showed a little deeper. Right? I mentioned that I keep balance. I figure if the various gangs and organizations around here are fairly close in power, then no one would try anything open and stupid, like a turf war which could get a lot of humans killed, not to mention the other Xenos. I caught myself. So, if someone like me, who is very distinct, shows up and clears the pace out, what are people to think? I mean, if one faction gets too strong, the others would chip in and hide me and then turn in each other, since they don't have a common enemy anymore. She snorted at that. A common enemy. She let the praise hang there for a moment, and I nodded. The autocracy. Surely a common enemy to all others out there. And yet, when they'd struck at us, we'd found help so hard to find. Fear hit them harder than we thought. That's when humans discovered their rather unique ability amongst the other sentient species. It was one the autocracy invaded before we could get too strong. It wasn't until the end that the alliance finally formed, emboldened by our success such as it was in the war. We made them think that they could win, but by the time it was too late for us, Earth, our colonies, all of it was gone. Before we lost it all, though, we knew we needed help. A species of nearly peace-sentient aliens, Xenos on a fairly Earth-like world, the Caliphate. In times of peace, I doubt we'd have meddled with it, but in a time of war, we needed allies, we needed soldiers, we needed fighters, and they could fight. Like us, the cunning of a cat, the loyalty of a dog, and the ferocity of a wolf and the fighting spirit of a man. I said as she snorted at the old description of a people. It's bullcrap, you know. Some of us are dumb, and some of us aren't loyal, and some are quite shy and timid. We do have your fighting spirit, though, she conceded. I couldn't help myself, and then I asked, Do you hate us? Who? He asked and glanced around the tea house for a moment, as if to check if there had any associates sneaking up on her. No, no, I mean, us humans, I clarified, and she looked back at me. All of you? I've only met a small number of you on a personal level. She informed me, and I shook my head. I don't mean like personally. You know what I mean. Oh, but I do mean personally. In our line of work, you can't afford to hate any more. At least, I think so. It makes you sloppy, less focused, less controlled if you let emotions into it. Besides that, are you a genetic engineer? She asked, and I shook my head even though she knew the answer. 
a general, a leader, someone who made the choice to uplift my people. You know I'm not, I frowned, and she just shook her head. Then why would I hate you? As she asked, I slowly shrugged. I don't know, I thought uh, maybe uh, you'd hate us for bringing you into the war when we were losing, to take you away from your homeworld, which is now occupied, to, uh, to turn you into soldiers and killers without your choice. Her laugh made me blink, no reaction I had expected. Is that what you think, she asked. If you hadn't uplifted us, and I'd been born there, I'd be lucky if I figured out how to fasten a sharp rock to a stick, and fire would be a great mystery to me. You think we hold a grudge against you for losing us our home, for missing out on a thousand, hundreds of thousands of years of hardship, and dying at thirty for a few years of war, and now a piece of salts other than distant worlds. A life of a refugee now is better than, uh, whatever I possibly could have had living back in the dirt and squalor of the pre-civilized life. But, uh, what about all that you've lost? I asked then. How many of you died in the war? There are more of us now than there have ever been on our homeworld, she said and shook her head. You think some of us spread out the species across the planet? We had spread across the continent and a half. Two, if I'm feeling generous. We were in tribes that fought constantly over hunting grounds and groves of trees that could bear fruit. We didn't even know how to farm. When we were bred and trained, we wanted to fight. You know, the guy gave us a choice, right? I shook my head. I didn't know that. We were explained the situation and given a choice to fight or not. We chose to fight. We're like you. We know how to fight. We knew what to fight for. Most importantly, we know how to die. I nodded and slowly let out a breath. We know how to die. A very human phrase. It doesn't translate well to other species. It's a human thing. Well, human and caliphate. I'm still not sure how much of this with them was how much of this was us. It's hard to concept for even us, I admitted. Of course, out of all the species there are, we're the only two who seem to have really luck in mastering it at all. She nodded before we sat there in quiet once again. She slowly slipped a tea, and I simply took a time to think. So, do you not wish to try and fulfill this contract because the debt you feel for me? Guilt? She asked, and I shook my head. It might be why I hesitated to start and watched you, but I'm glad I did. Because now I know I don't want to, I explained. Just because we know how to die doesn't mean that we should seek it out. She nodded at that. It's why I don't take contracts on other professionals. There's no sense to it. I thought that over and tilted my head. Were you offered a contract on me? I asked and she thought it over. I might have been. I've never even seen this picture. I said, no professionals. That made me frown. Wait, if you were even approached with a contract for a professional in these areas, and I was given you, someone wants us to get each other. Her free hand moved to her sword, and my hands moved back into my jacket pockets as I began to look around. Just outside the awning of the little tea house, I could see a figure in the rain. I'd been so focused on her that I ignored my surroundings. We both stood then as they moved on either side of the open structure. A few of the other patrons quickly scurried away, and I saw the old woman who'd been the cash register duck into the kitchen. While I had hopes I informed my superiors the idea wouldn't work, I examined the speaker, a Gren rock crusher. For a species with rock crusher in their name, they certainly looked the part. Over two meters tall, hands bigger than my head, 
I examined the other who were with him, a Calcian, a Tribunal, and a few Nurlik. No humans, no Calafay. Most of us who could fight were elsewhere, being of use to the Alliance somewhere. The war had taken a toll on those of us who could fight. Most of the refugees were those who'd been too old, too young, and too sick to fight. There were a couple exceptions, like me and my new friend here. I'm sure in time we'd form our own gangs and organizations to fill the void. We were great at fighting after all. But until then, rather ironically, we gave the other refugee species our own common enemy. I figured it was only a matter of time before they ganged up on us, realizing the threat that we might soon be to them. While trying to make a common enemy out of the autocracy of our poor and weak had become the common enemy for the criminals of our new home. The irony was not lost to me. So you wanted us to kill each other? I asked. That was the plan, the Grand replied. He had a slight accent, but a nice one. He sounded fairly eloquent for someone so large and hulking. The two of you have been busy around here. You've done some good work, for us and for others. But now that we're forming a larger concern, we need to make sure that there's no one around to challenge it. And seeing as we're not inclined to allow human and caliphate into our organization, the two of you posed a problem. Posed? She asked next to me, noticing the past tense. We've dealt with the killers before. You're good, but you're no different. We're outnumber you. The Grand mentioned, and that was the key I knew. They didn't have us quite surrounded. That's typically how the aliens fought. Give the enemy a way to escape, and they'll take it when they fight go south. But he didn't understand us. What made us so dangerous? So I'd figured I'd enlighten him. You think we'll just run off and leave our people behind? To leave them to get bullied by the likes of you? I asked the Grand. Ah, there it is. The human, of course, has to make things difficult. We'll beat you if you like, kill you if you have to. After all, you and your pet there have to know how to die, don't you? The other aliens chuckled as they said. I heard it before. They mocked us for it. What sort of phrase is that? Who needs to know how to die? So I said what they were thinking. It's an odd phrase, isn't it? You know how to die. Who needs to know? It isn't complicated. Disease, accidents, combat, there are a great many ways to die. We're just as fragile as anyone else. More fragile than some, I smirked. But all of you have the weakness in you. Fight or flight, we call it. Those ancient primal instincts have their claws sunk deep into you. If you fight, it's because you think you can win. And when it's a loss, you run. So long as you have other options. Just like any animal that you're most dangerous when you're cornered, of course. I let the grin smirk and talk back. But we aren't cornered now. Is that it? You think that matters? There is a dozen of us and two of you. We'll win, one way or another. Dead or driven off, it means the same to me, he replied before I continued. I think you haven't fought us before when something really mattered to one of us. That's what sets us apart. We bring the corner with us. In our own minds, we can look at the certainty of defeat and simply say that it's too freaking bad. We're not gonna run. We're gonna make your victory as painful as possible. I began to look around the crowd, then my hands putting free from my pockets, the guns of dead men in my hands. So I say to all of you here now, if you fight us now, you know that you didn't fight people who will run. 
I could see some of them start to look nervous as my friend slowly drew her blade. They readied their weapons as well, but I wasn't done. Though I did let it sink in a bit, just us in this bright tea house surrounded by a soft winter rain. It was peaceful, despite the impending violence. I finally finished what I was saying. You don't fight people who will do anything to survive. You fight people who can rise above their instincts, who can turn off that voice in their head telling us to flee. You fight people who can stare death in the face and say, I turned to the green grin specifically then and looked him in the eyes and he towered over me. I know how to die. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.